Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome today to our Sunday morning service. Today, July the 12th, 2020. It's great to be with you today, and uh, weather's looking looking a little bit better, which is nice. And so uh, I'm just going to open the service up in prayer before we we listen to worship today, and I want to thank uh, in advance Terrence and uh, Pam for working so hard on this set that you're about to hear, and I'd encourage you to join in and to focus as much as you can. You know, there's so many distractions, and uh, wow, if you can just, even if you have to close your eyes, and even if you don't sing and you just listen, uh, but if you want to sing, the words will be on the screen there. And so, Father, we thank you. We have an opportunity right where we are, God. Uh, in a very practical way to to sing and to meditate upon you and to Lord uh, connect with you and to be in your presence and we thank you that you give us this opportunity today we thank you Lord for the the breath that we breathe today we thank you for the freedoms that we have today Uh, we thank you Lord that even though we can't be in the same place at the same time we're free. We're free to worship you. We're free to praise you. But we have to take that uh, opportunity and we have to take the initiative and we have to decide to worship. So, Lord, may we do that today. I pray for each person who, who's watching now, each person who will tune in, people who will watch this after it's recorded, people who will listen. Lord, that you would truly speak to hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Time after time, season after season, at my highest highs, in my lowest lows, you've always been there, cause you're the faithful one.
walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battles won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me Yeah. 
still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never Father, we come to you and we remind ourselves of those words today. Lord, uh, you are faithful. Even when we are faithless, God, you are faithful to us. For you cannot deny yourself, O oh God. And we praise you this morning and we, we uh, lift up our own needs to you, O oh God, remembering that you are faithful. Lord, you never fall asleep on the job. You never get tired. Lord, you never uh, are taken by surprise. Uh, but Father, you are right here with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And, and Lord, uh, we bring our needs before you. I pray for Jackie Uhl and, and her family, even as they, they uh, just begin the process of, of grief as she lost her, her mom yesterday. Lord, uh, we are so thankful for the faith that she had. And Lord, that faith that lives on and that faith that guarantees a, a meeting in eternity, Lord, we continue to pray for Emmanuel and Charity and their children and their family as they mourn the loss of his sister, God. And we just, we're so thankful for the great hope that we have in Christ that even death cannot defeat, Lord, uh, absent from the body is to be not lost, but at home with the Lord. And so we are so thankful for these things, God. We continue to pray for those in our church who are serving in areas of high, high risk, God, in, in health care and in other ways. Uh, Lord, we, we continue to, uh, to pray for this world around us, God. And uh, as, as we pray for things like a vaccine, uh, Lord, we pray that, that somehow you would, you would turn the tide of this thing. Uh, we think of our neighbors down south and, and the tens of thousands of new cases per day. And, uh, Lord, we pray that, that you, would, you would turn the tide. And uh, we continue to unite with our brothers and sisters around the world who continue to pray, God. And we know that it's not just a physical battle, but also a spiritual one. All, all kinds of things going on in our own hearts and minds. And, Lord, we can look at the news and we can see what's going on on social media. And there's a psychological thing. There's a spiritual battle that's happening. 
And so we pray, God, for your presence and your peace in our lives uh, as we as we march full steam into summer, Lord. Uh, uh, we pray that we would take the opportunity to just draw closer to you and ultimately to one another as well. We pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, and uh, good morning again to all of you, and welcome this morning, again, July the 12th, 2020. If you're brand new with us, welcome. My name is Joe Friedland, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Point Church, which is currently virtual, but uh, when we do meet together, when we will meet together, it will be in Cineplex Distrante in Brossard, and our tentative date uh, to regather there is going to be the 20th of September, but we will wait and see uh, what happens over the next couple of months uh, in this province with regard to all that's going on, okay? But if you're with us and you're with us for the very, very first time, uh, if you could please text the key phrase, reach the one with no spaces to the phone number that's on your screen, 900-0130 with a 514 area code there, I'm going to email you something that you're really going to enjoy. All I need is your name, your email and your cell phone, and that's going to put you onto our electronic mailing list. You'll get mass texts and mass emails from us, keeping you up to date with everything that's happening in the life of our church. And I encourage you to visit our website at citypointchurch.ca. Uh, we've got videos of these messages that get posted there, plus there's a link to the audio, which is on Podbean and the Apple Podcast platforms. Really easy once you subscribe. Anytime there's new content there, you get notified and you can listen to it right away, okay? Continue to pray for our missionaries, Michelle and Louis Charbonneau. I've put on the screen there uh, their church service uh, uh, page, which is Église La Forteresse page. And you can watch their services are online as well uh, during this time. I have been there to their church, and it's uh, it's jaw-dropping, the work that they do with uh, youth and young adults, and continue to pray for them, as well as the Mans, Don, and Marie, as they are uh, preparing to do, really, as leadership training is their new uh, ministry around the world. And uh, they're going to be based out of Canada, but continue to pray for them. Uh, we are also doing a series Monday to Friday called Your Questions, God's Questions, and we've done uh, 22, 23, I think, of your questions, and we're going to start looking at the questions that God has for us starting tomorrow, but if you have more of them, send them in to me, and I will handle those as well. I usually do them in the evenings, anywhere between 7 and 10 at night, okay? Uh, but those are posted on all of our platforms as well. And a reminder, your giving is more important than ever. And we can't run uh, online without your giving. All of this tech talk costs money. We continue to support our missionaries faithfully, even during this time of pandemic. And I want to thank you for staying faithful, using the electronics, uh, mailing in checks, all of that. It's really easy to do online nowadays. There's a link on your screen on our Give page, and you can give securely through PayPal uh, that way, you can also e-transfer to us. It's all on your screen there. So today, we are continuing our series called Podcasts from Peter, and uh, we're starting Peter's second letter today. 
I am of the conviction that if Peter and Paul and the writers of the New Testament, and for that matter, the writers of the Old Testament, especially the prophets, if they had access to this kind of technology that we have today, where you could literally communicate with the world from a device that's in your pocket without wires uh, for a relatively inexpensive, uh, uh, at a relatively inexpensive cost, these people would be on this technology all day because of the message that they wanted to proclaim to the world. And I think Peter would be a pretty good podcaster. Uh, The way that he writes is a very direct, very clear style, easy to read, easy to understand. So he's got messages for us, and we've been looking at uh, his first letter in the New Testament. And today we're going to start uh, Second Peter, and the title of our message today is Everything You Need. Just as a review, we'll put a map on the screen there. These two letters are written to groups of churches in what is now the area of Turkey. Um, and these churches are identified for us at the beginning of First Peter. But it's pretty clear that Second Peter is addressed to the same uh, group of churches. And this is pushing the year 65 AD. And Peter is about to be executed under Emperor Nero. Early Christian tradition, which we consider at least this part of the tradition fairly reliable, says that Peter was executed under Nero, as was uh, the Apostle Paul. Nero died in the year 68, so this is probably around the year 65 that Peter is writing again to this group of people, but now he has a little bit of a different purpose, and uh, he tells us this in 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, this is now my second letter to you, and we'll put this on the screen. I have written both of them as reminders, as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So his goal is to remind people, but his the reason why he wants to remind people in Second Peter is a little bit different than the reason why he wants to remind people in First Peter, because in Second Peter, his issue, and we'll look at this more next week, his issue is that there are false teachers, dangerous uh, false teachers who are in their midst, who are attempting to deceive them, take advantage of them, abuse them, devour them. And Peter has very, very strong warnings and very, very strong words about these false teachers. And he'll talk about this, or we'll talk about this next week. It's also important for you to know that Second Peter and the book of Jude, I sometimes call it the book of Judas, uh, he was the half-brother of Jesus. And the book of Jude, or again, Judas, the same name really, uh, and Second Peter are very, very similar it's probably true that these two were talking to one another, and it's probably true that Jude uh, communicated to Peter while Peter was in prison here, um, writing this letter from Rome. And so uh, he's he's telling Peter what's going on and what's going on in these churches in these areas that he's writing to. And so Peter issues this second letter as a warning and as a reminder, a reminder of the things that they already know and to keep on keeping on in those things. Today we're going to do communion uh, at the end of this message, and that's really about keep on keeping on in the things that we believe. So the title today is Everything You Need from Second Peter and Chapter 1, all right? If you're brand new to the Bible 
and uh, you have no idea what a second Peter is or what a first Peter is or who Peter is or who Paul is or any of that stuff, I would uh, strongly encourage you to download onto whatever device you have. It'll work on Android and um, iOS, uh, the version app, okay, Y-O-U version. They also have that for kids. And it is fantastic, especially for people who are just learning the Bible, trying to figure it all out. Even for people who've been reading for years, they have great little introductions to each book. They now have, uh, uh, they work together with the Bible Project, the people who do these, these videos that help you understand each book of the Bible and how to read it and context and style and genre and all these things. Just incredible content for you and all free. So that can get you into the Bible in a very non-threatening fashion, okay? So we are in 2 Peter. This is in the Bible's New Testament. So starting uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. So Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Just stop there, and he has just hit us with a ton of bricks in this this introduction, okay? So, first of all, this is an amazing little verse of Scripture that's just in an introduction to this letter, because what he is doing, first and foremost, uh, is he is establishing that Jesus Christ is God. He is clearly stating this in the introduction. So he says, the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he is identifying Jesus as God and Savior. He doesn't say the righteousness of our God and something else, whatever he wanted to choose, and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. No, righteousness is being referred to both persons here, God and Jesus. Now, some some try and dispute this. I've debated with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses who don't believe that Jesus is God, and they try and play with this verse. Well, even if you try to say that he's saying, well, you know, the righteousness is being referred to as a characteristic, a characteristic of God, but Jesus is being referred to as the Savior, so obviously Jesus is not God. People who say that uh, haven't really seen what the Old Testament says about that, that whole title. So Isaiah, for example, says, there is no other Savior but me, says Jehovah. So anyone claiming to be the Savior is not the Savior, because the only Savior is Jehovah. And here you have Jesus being referred to as Savior, certainly, but also as God here. So he is saying to us, reminding us, Jesus Christ is God. Paul would do this in his letter to Pastor Titus in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. He calls Jesus our God and Savior. So Peter and Paul both use this phrase, and it's really important for us to understand because this was the preaching of the apostles. Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is coming soon. This is the gospel message. And furthermore, he says this at the end of the verse, that we've received a faith. 
So to those who have received a faith as precious as ours, as if to say that the faith that we have is something that God has given to us through his power and through his righteousness, we have received faith. Uh, Paul would say God has given us a measure of faith. To each one of us, God has given this measure. So uh, Christ as God and as the giver of faith to us. Uh, uh, Verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So not only is Jesus Savior, Jesus is Lord here. So the knowledge of God and of Jesus, may we have grace and peace in abundance. And this is fairly standard for uh, a New Testament letter uh, greeting. Uh, And then in verse 3, his divine power, okay, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay, just just hold on here. God has given us all we need for life and for godliness. All we need, past tense, God has already given to us if we want to live life and we want to live life in a godly fashion he has already given us everything we need sometimes i meet people who are uh, followers of jesus and it's like god hasn't given enough and they want more more from god and more from god and kind of this struggle all the time with with uh, uh, getting more things from god and here peter is telling us you have everything you need already for life and for godliness. You already have it. Uh, 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 he, his divine power has given it to us through our knowledge of him who called us for by his own glory and goodness. So you already have it. And then he's going to, he's going to keep going here, and he's basically going to talk about two different kinds of of Christ followers, okay? I'll call this two different kinds of Christians. So watch this. I'll read it for you, and then I'm going to take the pieces of the puzzle and kind of spill them on the table and put them back together in a way that you can see it a little bit more clearly, all right? So through these, he has given us, what are the these, uh, the divine power that God has given us, and the knowledge of him that we have. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Where are these promises? Well, presumably they would be in his word, in the Bible, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So participate in the divine nature. This does not mean that you become divine. This does not mean that you become God, all right? The idea here is uh, something that Jesus said. Uh, uh, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have life more abundantly. We're not talking about more materialism. We're 
not talking about more money. We're not talking about more success. We're talking about life in the sense that we walk by, live by, are submitted to, uh, think through, talk through the life of the Holy Spirit within us, the rivers of living water that Jesus referred to. Uh, he talked about being born again and being born of the Spirit and this, this new life in Christ by the Spirit of God is what he is talking about and that we would have that life and have that life abundantly. This is the participation in the divine nature and that we we would escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, right? And we'll get into the list in a second. Uh, you can you can put the image back on me. So for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being unproductive and ineffective in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. That's an incredible promise, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to do is take these and spill them out on the table, so to speak, and put them back together, and we'll do this on the screen here. So you have two kinds of Christians. On the left is is one, and on the right is another. So he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So you see the little goodness on top of the faith there. And then add to your goodness knowledge. And you see knowledge on top of goodness. And add to your knowledge self-control. And you see on top of knowledge, self-control there. But on the right-hand side, you don't see anything. So this is the person on the right who's not adding to his faith with all of those characteristics. And add to your self-control perseverance. And to perseverance, you add godliness. And what's the person on the right doing? Nothing. He's not adding anything. She's not adding anything to their faith. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. So you have that list ranging from goodness at the bottom to love at the top. And all these things, the disciple is adding to their faith this list of key characteristics and qualities. And then you see the end result. Uh, so the, the person who does that, the promise that Peter gives us is they will never fall they're going to be effective, they're going to be productive, that means they're going to produce fruit, and they will receive a rich welcome from God in eternity. And the person on the right who doesn't add to their faith, uh, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, that person is ineffective 
that person is unproductive, that person is nearsighted and blind. I mean, it's very strong language that's being used, but this is what he's saying. And that person has forgotten forgiveness. They have forgotten that God has cleansed them from their past sins. And that is a Christian that is stagnant. That's a Christian with no fruit. That's a Christian with um, uh, not making any kind of impact. That's a frustrated Christian. That's a Christian who's nearsighted and blind. I'm I'm quite nearsighted and quite blind without my glasses, okay? That's the image that he's using, and he's saying that's not the kind of, of disciple that you want to be, and that, that really isn't even a disciple. That person has been given faith, but the person has not added to their faith. So he's being really, really clear that you've got to make every effort to add to your faith these things. You say, well, I don't understand. I thought I was saved by faith and not by works. Well, you are. But once a person has come into the, the, the family of faith, once a person is born again, once a person has started that relationship with Jesus, you don't just sit there and say, okay, everything is, is fine now. I don't have to do anything. No, you should have a natural uh, new inclination and drive to grow your relationship with God. And Peter outlines this is you're going to make every effort to add to your faith. So that takes work. That takes intentionality. It, it, it's not a couch potato kind of Christianity that he's talking about there. He's talking about a Christianity where the follower of Jesus is in on a journey and is moving towards something and is growing and making really intentional efforts to do so. Now, the question is, how do you do this? I mean, how do you add to your faith goodness? How do you add to your goodness knowledge? How do you add to your knowledge self-control? It seems like a bunch of intangible things there. And if you know a little bit of the New Testament, you see some overlap with these these things and the, the list that's here and the list of the fruit of the Spirit uh, that Paul gives in Galatians 5. There's some overlap here. And this word love is used all over the place in the New Testament. It's, it's one of the, the fruit of the Spirit, but it's also a command that we are to love one another. Uh, perseverance, godliness, self-control. There's a lot of usage of these terms. So it's not only something that we're supposed to intentionally add to our faith, but these are also things that come into our life naturally as a result of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But how do you do what Peter is saying here and add to your faith all of these things? Well, you've got to put yourself in conditions and in situations where these things are forced to grow. Uh, so there's a there's what I call a spiritual growth smoothie, and I've talked about this I think last year. Uh, last year I happened to be at uh, at Trinity uh, Pentecostal Church in LaSalle. I don't know if some of you were were uh, who are watching were probably. Uh, uh, you were in the theater, 
and I was I was speaking there in LaSalle, and we streamed it into our movie theater at the same time, and I talked about this spiritual growth smoothie. I think it was a year ago today from the same text here. Uh, so the idea of a, of a smoothie, right, is you put all these ingredients in, and you, you, you chop them up, and you mix them, and you stir them, and then you, you, you drink the whole thing, and you get all of these different ingredients uh, in your smoothie. Well, doing what Peter is saying here is a bit like making a smoothie, but you have to intentionally say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to start to do. These are the disciplines I'm going to start to grow in uh, in order to see these characteristics added to my faith. So, example of this, you're a follower of Jesus. You have, you, have, you have crossed the line of faith somehow. You have made a decision to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean you're a genius. It doesn't mean you're a theologian. It doesn't mean you have the answer to every question. But you know that, that you know that you've made a decision. All right, good. So what are you doing to show that you have made that decision? What are you doing to, to uh, challenge yourself to make that decision one that is public, where you are showing it? Well, that's what water baptism is. And when a person is baptized in water, they are showing that they have made a decision to follow Jesus. It's, it's a public thing. It's not just, um, I have faith, but nobody knows. It's, I have faith, and I want to show it. When you do that, you're adding to your faith. There's a, there's a little bit of some of these characteristics that are developed as you do that. The knowledge part is developed as you do that. The perseverance part is developed as you do that. You're moving forward. You're persevering in your faith. You're making your faith a public thing. So that, that's an activity that you do, right? That's a choice that you make uh, to be baptized in water. I think I've baptized, I don't know, eight, eight people or so uh, in this church since, since the beginning. One, one gentleman who may be watching, we baptized him in, his, in a, a friend's um, a pool outside when he proposed. Uh, he surprised his fiance, and I baptized him at the same time. Right after he proposed to his fiance, it was a really nice day. And uh, some of others of you baptized you in a little church over here in Brossard, and they lent us our baptism, their baptismal tank, and we baptized people there. So when you're baptized, you're adding to your faith, right? When you make a decision and you're intentional about engaging in the life of your church, I mean, we're not meeting in person uh, uh, right now, but we are online, right? You're, you made a decision to do that. Uh, you could have stayed in bed. You know, you could be watching Netflix now. You could be doing whatever you want, but you make an intention an intentional choice to engage in the life of your church. When you do that, you're adding to your faith. Uh, this afternoon at four, we're going to uh, gather over at uh, Parc de la Cité uh, in uh, St. Hubert, at least those who, who want to come. And it's just another way of, of gathering together. And, you know, we have to stay two meters apart and we can't be more than 50 people. And, you know, the weather's a little bit shaky out there, but we're going to try and meet anyway. And whosoever will may come. As we gather, we're intentionally engaging in the life of the church. And when we do that, we continue to grow. Uh, what are you doing in terms of your spiritual diet? How are you adding to your smoothie? Do you pray? 
Do you talk to God every day? Do you talk to God every other day? Do you talk to God once a week? I mean, is your only time where you pray and talk to God on Sunday, you know, for a few minutes? Uh, your spiritual diet when you when you have a healthy spiritual diet you're adding to your faith in various ways in this in this list that peter gives to us right so when you talk to god when you pray it's like you're talking to a person and you you build that relationship with god but you have to be intentional you have to make every effort to add to your faith these things what about your bible diet I mean, this is God speaking to us. When we pray, we speak to God, and, and of course, he speaks to us while we're praying. But, but if you really want a, a, a solid understanding of what God is saying to you, you also pick up the pages of the Bible, and this is God's word for us. Are you, do you have a spiritual diet that includes the Bible? I am, I am shocked at the, the statistics uh, about this uh, that are being reported in surveys all over the place. And the, the, the typical Bible-believing Christian is not engaging in the Bible. Uh, it's very, the, the, the devotional life, the life of uh, uh, understanding the Scripture, and just some of the basic things uh, that Christians are supposed to know and believe, they don't believe anymore. And more and more what we're seeing is, is Christians starting to uh, uh, get rid of and abandon uh, their faith. We've seen some, some uh, uh, musicians recently. We've seen some authors recently who have come out and said, you know, I'm no longer a Christian and I have these questions. And some of the questions are really, really basic things that even a surface understanding of the scripture would have answered those questions. But it's clear that we don't have this anymore and we have lost this discipline. Well, when we don't have a spiritual diet like that, we're kind of like the Christian on the right-hand side of the screen there that didn't add to their faith anything, didn't, wasn't intentional about, intentional about anything. What are you doing to, uh, to share your faith with others? What are you doing to, uh, uh, to do what we call evangelism? Are you talking about uh, God to others? Are you just simply living your life as a Christian in front of others, which leads to ultimately some kind of conversation, some kind of interaction about your faith? When you do that, you are adding to this list you are you are you are growing by leaps and bounds when you do that what are you doing to use your 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 time your talent your treasure your gifts and your abilities uh, not only uh, in your local church I mean I'm, I'm so thrilled with the way that uh, that the musicians have have uh, stepped up in this time of of uh, quarantine you know and people are recording uh, uh, parts of songs at home and then they send them to the next person down the line and then they mix it and they add to it and the, I mean you hear the results every Sunday morning well that's that's using your gifts that's using your time that's using your 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 talent 
what are you doing to, to get involved in your community, as an example, and to serve and to be salt and light in your community? When you do that, you are adding to your faith, as Peter says here. And so all of these things, we have to be intentional about if we want to grow, if we want to be productive, if we want to be effective, if we want to bear fruit, we have to be intentional sorry, about spiritual growth. It isn't an option. It's something that Peter is telling us that we have to do. Uh, verse 12, so I will always remind you Note that word remind, okay? We'll, we'll put it on the screen here. There's three R words that are super, super important here that Peter uh, uh, puts into, into writing. I always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So what's he saying? He's saying you've got to be reminded because we, we forget, even though we know we forget. Um, uh, that you're firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh. There's another R word, to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of the body. Tent of the body is a phrase that Paul used as well in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. Uh, Peter would have been familiar with, with uh, making tents as well, although he doesn't say he was a tent maker. And he uses this image to refer to the physical body. And as long as I live in this tent, because I know that I will soon put it aside, I'll put the tent aside. And Paul used this language as well, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Um, and, and Paul and Peter are referring to physical death here. Uh, we've prayed for a couple of families who have lost loved ones uh, in very, very recent days. And this, this passage rings true even today for the person who is a Christian. The body is like a tent, and there comes a time where you put the tent aside and you go to be with Jesus. And he says, as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me. So he has a pretty good idea that he is facing uh, 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 death soon. Verse 15, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure. Where is he going? Well, he's going to the same place that Paul believed he was going, and that was to be with the Lord. You will always be able to remember. So remind, refresh, remember. The English translators have, have given us these three our words here beautifully, right? And so we need to have that in our lives because we forget. And Peter was worried. He was concerned that some of the false teaching that these people were being inundated with would cause them to forget. Verse 16, we did not follow cleverly devised, cleverly invented stories when we made uh, when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then he talks about the transfiguration, how he was an eyewitness of the transfiguration where Jesus stood on the mountain 
and his and he was physically changed before them and Moses and Elijah appeared there and had this conversation with Jesus on the mountain and he uses that as a as a reminder and as an evidence there and so the the whole point is you've got to rem, you've got to be reminded you've got to be refreshed you've got to remember and you've got to repeat that over and over and over again why because there's distractions everywhere in the context here there was false teachers everywhere and and not unlike today we have that today as well but there are circumstances and things that come into our lives that are going to squeeze us and when we get squeezed we tend to forget even though we have that knowledge of God in the back of our head somewhere we tend to forget it gets squeezed and so we've got to be reminded we've got to be refreshed and we've got to remember. So what we're going to do today is uh, is really about remembrance, and we're going to go into a time uh, of communion at this point, and we'll put a little slide on the screen and some background music, and uh, I'd like you at this point uh, to take a couple of minutes to prepare your communion emblems. Now, we're at home so we don't have those those portable, you know, juice and cup things that we usually use at the theater. Uh, but I'd like you to get uh, some kind of bread or some kind of wafer or something like that. And uh, juice if you have some or even water if you have some. And we are going to uh, have communion together. Parents, if you are with your kids, I encourage you to get your children involved in communion early in their lives. Uh, because they need to be reminded and refreshed and renewed about the things that they believe as well. So we'll just take a couple of minutes. There'll be a slide on the screen, and then we'll come back, and we're going to do communion together. God bless you. Okay, so talk about remembrance and reminding. Uh, we have a great passage of Scripture for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, just going to take a moment to read this uh, for you. And this is Paul addressing the Corinthian church, this famous passage about communion that, that we often read 
when we have communion together. The context is actually he's he's kind of being hard on them and he's rebuking them a little bit for the way that they are treating uh, one another. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Right? This, this message. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this, what? In remembrance. There's that R word. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. So when we partake of this, of this emblem, of this bread or wafer, whatever you have in hand, we are to remind ourselves of the physical body of Jesus that hung on that cross, but also of the body of Christ. And this is who we are, though we're scattered in our homes. This is who we are. So let us partake of the bread together. And in the same way, after supper, this is verse 25, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in what? Remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim you're the preachers. You are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So when we take the, the, the juice together, we are reminding ourselves, we are remembering this is the blood of the new covenant. Obviously, this isn't blood that we have in front of us, okay? But this is a symbol. This is a picture. In as much as the in the in the Jewish Passover, the 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 wine or the juice that was used there was symbolic of different kinds of redemption. How God would redeem the people of Israel, and there were this cup was taken four times in a Passover uh, meal. It was a symbolic thing. So this is symbolic of the new covenant, not in the blood of a, an animal or uh, the blood of a, of a lamb, but the blood of Jesus. In the book of Exodus, Moses took the blood of animals and he sprinkled it on the people and he said, this is the blood of the covenant. And here, Paul is saying, that, uh, this is the blood of the new covenant, the covenant where God changes the heart of the person from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, where God comes into the person by the Holy Spirit into each individual's life and transforms the person from the inside out, where a person is born again. This is the new covenant in my blood. Let us take it together. Would you pray with me, folks? Uh, Father, we are so thankful today. We thank you for the, uh, the simple words of, of Peter and even what we've just read uh, from Paul. And uh, Lord, we are so privileged that by your grace, we are a part of your family around the world. 
millions of people around the world today who are uh, celebrating you. Even though many of us are not in church buildings, Lord, we celebrate you and we praise you today for you have forgiven us of our sin, for you have brought us into life, for you have allowed us to participate in the divine nature. And I pray, God, for each person who is watching, who will watch, who will listen, Lord, that we would be challenged to be intentional about adding to this precious faith that you have given to us, that we would be effective, that we would be productive, that we would bear fruit, Lord, and that we would receive a rich welcome into your eternal kingdom. God, that we would be uh, people who would be who would be Christians by not only our our mouths, but by our actions, God, that people would be able to see something different in us, that they would clearly see the mark of God in our lives. Lord, I pray for the ones who are being challenged where they are working, even if it might be from home, Lord, their faith is on display. And I pray, God, that through the power of your spirit, you would fill people with boldness to share their faith, to stretch themselves, that we would see goodness and kindness and love and godliness and perseverance and patience and all these things grow in our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus, and I can hear everyone say, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for joining in with us. And I uh, hope that some of you will be able to be with us at Parc de la Cité uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Don't worry. If you can't make it, you are not missing anything. It's just a chance for us to get together, be with one another, uh, finally in the same place. It would be nice and safe outside. And uh, remember again, tomorrow we are continuing our devotional series your questions, God, God's questions. Until we meet again, friends, God bless you today.